We come to this place for magic. We come to pop overview, to laugh, to cry, to drink. Because we need that, all of us. That indescribable feeling we get when we hit the play button and go somewhere we've never been before. Sound that I can feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Not just entertained, but somehow reborn. Together. Pop Poor Review. We make movie podcasts better. I know why you choose to have your little group therapy sessions in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. The Batman has shown Gotham your true colors, unfortunately. Dent. He's just the beginning. What do you propose? It's simple. We uh, kill the Batman. (laughs) If it's so simple, why haven't you done it already? If you're good at something, never do it for free. Welcome back, everyone. Have you popped open a beer, poured yourself a glass of wine yet? Because you're listening to Pop Poor Review with Jimmy Chico. Hello. Kelly Gong. Hi. And myself, Matt Chico. We are the movie podcast where we journey through the IMDb Top 250 list. If you don't have a drink today, you can try today's inspired drink based off Number three, The Dark Knight. That's the number as we record the episode. It is the clown prince of crime. It's rum, mango, habanero, tequila, grenadine, and Sprite. A little sweet, a little spicy, just like the Joker. Um, That was gross. (laughs) uh, The Dark Knight, 2008, directed by Christopher Nolan, written by Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan, David S. Goyer, starring Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, Aaron Eckhart, Michael Caine, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Gary Oldman, and Morgan Freeman. IMDb rating 9 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes score. Critics 94. Audiences 94. Letterbox 4.5 out of 5. Domestic box office uh, 535. 763 adjusted for inflation. Worldwide a billion. A billion point four adjusted for inflation. Also the first superhero movie to become to hit a billion dollars. Um, Oscars. Best Supporting Actor Heath Ledger won. Best Cinematography was nominated. Best Production was nominated. Nominated for Best Editing. Makeup. Sound mixing, visual effects, and it also won for sound. Did I say sound editing? I think so. Oh, I think I said editing. That's why it confused me. It also won sound editing. Um, shotgun facts. Jimmy, would you like to go first? Sure. Please share with the class. So apparently many people believe that this and Wally being snubbed is the reason why there are now 10, up to 10, or there are now 10 Best Picture nominees. Well, isn't it up to? Isn't it? No, up? they changed it. It's 10 now. Oh, they changed it again? Mm-hmm. When did they do that? A couple years ago. Oh, I thought it was still, it could be anywhere. Do you like that it's more than 10? I mean, it's 10 now? Better than five? It doesn't matter to me. Why not, Kelly? I just feel like it's too much. Like, yeah, okay. Like, I just feel like with, there's no way there can be like 10 best movies. I don't know. I feel like it. the more, pro, like, I feel like. The ones that probably would never get it that are more deserving than the ones that would have gotten in the five end up getting it, I feel like. That's the only, like, good thing about it. I mean, I guess I see where that's coming from, that it's like, yeah, like, more movies will be recognized as best picture, but mm-hmm. then it's also, like, then we have movies like Don't Look Up that somehow snuck their way in there and don't really deserve it. Very true. So it's kind of like, are these actually the best movies or are we just catering now to the general public i agree that there are a lot of mainstream movies that get cut out i'm not going to say there aren't like black panther wakanda forever yeah but it's also just like i just feel like it's too much what's your shotgun fact katie holmes chose to do mad money over returning for the dark knight even though christopher nolan offered it to her which i think 
I think like in hindsight, they said that was a Tom Cruise like decision because he didn't want her in like such a big tent pole or something like that. I do remember reading that. I but that's so ridiculous. Like, I'm so sorry to Katie Holmes, but it's like you just derailed your big movie career from mad money. I think that probably was the tipping point where it just was like she's she's no gone. Back they, yeah, there's nothing coming back because it's also it's just like there's nothing inherently wrong with the role like. I could see Katie Holmes still in this movie, but it's like it's not like it like sh- it didn't portray her in any bad way. So I'm yeah. not really sure as to why you would just like not do that. Well, I can see Tom Cruise something with Scientology. That's all weird and stuff. So I mean, I really think Maggie Gyllenhaal. I I can't see Katie Holmes in this movie. I feel like in the first one she didn't have that much dramatic effect, and I felt like the chemistry between her and Aaron Eckhart were a lot better than what. Katie Holmes would have been. I mean, I'll never know because she wasn't in it. But to be honest, Maggie Gyllenhaal is one of my least favorite parts of this movie. Oh, see, I liked her in this. She's one of the reasons why it's so difficult for me to rewatch The Dark Knight. Not because I don't think it's a good movie, but I never want to rewatch it compared to the other two. And it's not that I even think the other two are better. It's just, I don't know. I just don't want to watch Maggie Gyllenhaal in it. I don't know why. And she almost wasn't even it. Apparently, um... Sarah Michelle Gellar, Isla Fisher, Emily Blunt, and Rachel McAdams were all considered for the role before Maggie Gyllenhaal. I kind of see... I don't believe Sarah Michelle Gellar was considered. I highly doubt that. I kind of would love to see, like, Emily Blunt and Rachel McAdams. I feel like they are the only people that I can think would do better than Maggie Gyllenhaal. I think Rachel McAdams would have been really good. Yeah. I, I still think, still think Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. I think... You know what's funny is that they also said that Maggie Gyllenhaal didn't watch Batman Begins, and she didn't do anything to try and re-emulate how Katie Holmes played the character. But in my opinion, I just kept seeing Katie Holmes, like her portraying Katie Holmes character. And I couldn't like dissociate from it. Also, this is nothing on Maggie Gyllenhaal, but I was also just like, damn girl, like you got to stand up straight. You got like a really like hunched over back right now. I feel like though she did, like I, she that's the thing. Like she did play it differently, which is why I think it's hard to see Katie Holmes in this movie. Because Katie Holmes, I, from what I remember, I haven't seen Batman Begins in a very long time. Like she does, in Batman Begins, she doesn't play that big of a role. So I think that's the biggest problem is also, that I feel like she the, takes a back seat. So yeah. she is more like, I'm not saying Maggie Gyllenhaal did anything bad. I just for some reason can't watch it. Like don't, like she doesn't, isn't a draw for me. But I don't remember, I mean, and you've watched them more so you can tell me. Does Katie Holmes play the kind of like, I'll stand up to the mobster type person like, like she was very like yeah. Comp- I don't remember her playing. I remember her more of like a weaker character. Well, because most of her most of her um, character moments happened in the past when and her and Bruce were younger. Mm-hmm. So you don't see her that often, like in the present. Like you do and you don't. Like yeah. she doesn't really have a presence in the first film, except probably until the end when her and Bruce have that talk at burned at the burned down Wayne Mansion. Yeah. But I could still see her doing this role, but I just, you know, she chose Mad Money over it. I mean, I, I, to me, I feel like the difference between the Batman Begins and Dark Knight, are, it's, it's quite a big difference. It's very big. So that's why I'm like, I can, I feel like the first, Batman Begins is more comic booky. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And this one's more realistic mm-hmm. and grounded, and especially with the villains in, in Dark Knight. I feel like Maggie Gyllenhaal 
that's like she didn't need to watch the Batman and just kind of study Katie Holmes because it was kind of a different film. Now, if they had gone from the Dark Knight to the Dark Knight Rises, that that's different because that's more tonally very sim- similar. Yeah. I think that it may be because of the ending scene from Batman Begins where they have that talk um, at Wayne Manor where I felt their chemistry and I really felt like the relationship between them versus the scenes of Maggie Gyllenhaal and Christian Bale in this movie where I didn't really feel any type of chemistry at all. Her and Aaron Eckhart, that's a different story. They did hit it out of the park. But her and Christian Bale, I felt there was a lack of connection between them. I don't them. think there was supposed to be as much chemistry. Like you're supposed to feel the chemistry coming from Aaron Eckhart and her, but not as much from Christian. I mean, maybe but the thing is, through Christian Bale, but not through her. I guess I could, I could see where you're coming from, but the thing is, is that that lessens the impact of her, a spoiler alert, even though it's been like over 10 years since this movie came out, over her death, it lessens the impact of her death on Christian Bale, a.k.a. the Batman character. Because it's just kind of like, I felt nothing between them. And I guess you are supposed to, but when there is a scene where he's like, were you serious that if I stop being Batman, that we'll be together? And she's like, yes. And I'm just like, eh. I also think they were hoping that, I feel like one, because this movie could be like such a standalone movie that you can just watch this and not have to watch the one in three. But also because they were just hoping if you did watch one, you have that extra feeling of it. Cause I think it was posted. You're not supposed to feel it from her end. Cause I think she's never, she's just telling him what she wants to say. She's like, yeah, sure. But like with the whole letter thing, she never was going to be with Bruce. I think after a point. Yeah. But I, that's why I just feel like it probably, I think it probably fell short for me in that sense, just mm-hmm. because I did feel it in the first movie toward with them at the end. And then when the second movie came around, I was just kind of like, mm. Mm -hmm. and i guess that's why she doesn't have that much of an impact on me because yes she died but i was also like he was like putting all his eggs in the basket i know she told him don't put all your eggs in my basket and i get you you're supposed to feel she's pulling away from him Mm -hmm. but because i didn't even feel it between them like an unrequited thing or anything like that yeah i think that that relationship failed for me i I can see it because i I can see i think they there is both like changing it for the second one because it's such a different movie and also relying that maybe some people just would just understand the background of it. So it's kind of like a, you took a risk there and it might work for some people, might not for others. Um, but mine was, this is the only one of five films to ever hold the number one spot on the IMDb Top 250. The other four being The Godfather, Star Wars, A New Hope, The Shawshank Redemption, and The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. So... I think this was number one for quite a bit, though. It was number one when it first came out. For yeah, like I a think month, and I, then it yeah, because then Shawshank uh, took. I think it took the Godfather down one, and then Shawshank went up, and then it never, never changed ever again. But um, Kelly, would you like to share with everyone uh, what Dark Knight is truly about? Okay. After the events of the first film, Lieutenant James Gordon and the new District Attorney Harvey Dent successfully begin to round up the criminals that plague Gotham City. They plan to arrest shady mob accountant Lau to bring down the mob, but Lau's detailed disclosures threaten Gotham's organized crime. As a result, the city's desperate mob bosses turn to the Joker, a sadistic green-haired psychopath in a purple suit with a flair for crime. As the unstoppable criminal mastermind wreaks havoc, bringing Gotham's to its knees with widespread anarchy and chaos, Batman must face his greatest challenge to battle injustice. However, is the Dark Knight prepared to walk the fine line between defender 
and Avenger, Hero, and Vigilante. And with that, we are going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Brucker Nurse, and I want to tell you about my fun horror movie podcast called Autopsy of a Horror Movie. On my show, I like to have fun dissecting out what makes a horror movie scary, what worked for it, what didn't, what types of fears does it play off of. Is it an allegory for any sort of message? I don't know, but let's find out. Also, I like to watch slashers. I'm a big slasher guy, so I'll watch a slasher and do a kill grade for it. I will cover the kills and I will tell you how I would grade it based on shock, method, style points, and a fourth category that is a reflection of the movie. Besides those, I'll have fun with special topic episodes, commentary tracks, interviews with guests, including some Shutter directors, so I just like to have a fun time over here. If any of this sounds interesting to you or you just want to come check me out, please head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere they listen to podcasts and search for Autopsy of a Horror Movie. Also, be sure to find me on Instagram at Brucker Horror, where you get fun updates and some cool little posts that I do. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you get to enjoy the show, and I'll see you on Instagram. Bye. And we're back. Number three, The Dark Knight. As we always do, do you think it should be on the IMDb Top 250 list? And do you think number three is appropriate? Jimmy, I'll start with you. Uh, yes and yes. Do you think three? Do you think higher? Like, do you Actually, think one? I think it should... I think Shawshank should be taken down a lot. But and put, it should be up there with, in the top. Definitely the top three. Kelly? I say yes, and it definitely should be in the top five. I'm not sure about three necessarily, but I do agree with Jimmy about Shawshank. But since we haven't gotten to the rest of the like the top five, top ten, mm-hmm. can't say anything yet. I agree with, I agree with Jimmy. I actually, you know, I agree with Jimmy. I think it should be on the list. I actually, I'd be fine if it was number one, but I'm fine with number three. I think this is a more better representation of a number one film than Shawshank Redemption. Not saying it's a bad movie, but just saying as an overall of the best movie of all time. I feel it like is this weird. One, it's just weird. <laughs> this one has more of a case behind it than like Shawshank. This feels like, and I think me and Jimmy have said it multiple times, that this is a movie that when you watch it, you're like, this is cinema. Mm-hmm. And that when it, you get the feel of this is cinema, that's when it's like, it definitely deserves to be up there. Because it's like, that means, when I say it's cinema, that means it's hitting story, visuals, edit, it's hitting all of it. At like a ten out of ten, pretty much. Yeah, it, it it literally is firing on all cylinders. Like yeah, but maybe that's I'm now, I maybe that's Chris. Do you do you think how much influence do you think like Christopher Nolan has on this movie being amazing? Do you think it's all him, or do you think it's partly because of him? I think it's all him. You think, I it's, think all it's all him? All him because I think he's the one who pushed for mostly practical effects when when it could be used. He probably I mean, he directed one of the best performances in a film of all time with Heath Ledger and the Joker. He, I mean, he continued to a lesser extent, but not by much. He continued it on to the Dark Knight Rises. And, and you know, it. it's not as good, but it's still extremely good. So, and you see his, like, when I'm watching this movie, you're like, okay, this is a Nolan film. From the, the opening shot to the, to the the score, to the 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 lighting and the cinematography and the, the the sweeping shots of the city, you can tell this is a Nolan film. So the only, I agree with you, especially the only, when you're watching it and like I have seen this in 
on a 4K TV. I have seen this in IMAX, true IMAX, and I've seen it on a regular movie screen. You've seen it on all platforms. Yeah, and, and you can tell, like, when I'm watching, like, the the sweeping city, you know, when he's when they're just kind of showing the city, you can tell that, oh, this was shot with an IMAX camera, even though it's not taking up the full aspect ratio of my screen, that it wasn't converted for home th- release like that. No matter what... I can watch it on my phone. No matter when, where I watch it, the scene where the truck flips over yeah. feels just as big as I saw it. I don't know if I saw this movie on the, 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 the New York you City. You did. did we I see saw it? it with you. Okay, I wasn't sure if I saw it. I remember seeing the theaters, not the IMAX the, in New York City, but it feels the same feeling watching it on my phone and watching it on the one of the biggest screens in, in the country. Like that, I think is... And I agree with you. My only devil's advocate was like, Yes, he directed him, but like one of the reviews was like, this movie's great, but not the best ever, but uh, he said it was overrated, but that's not the point of what I was trying to say. Without Ledger's Joker, this movie wouldn't be as greatly reviewed. So do you think Heath Ledger himself is also, like, is it Christopher Nolan because he directed him, or Heath Ledger because he portrayed the Joker so well? Well, I think, I mean, the only Jokers at this point we have are um, from the original series for Cesar Romano. Jack Nicholson. You have Jack Nicholson, and then I'm not sure if you have the animated series. You should have yeah, the animated series one at this time. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Yeah. And they're all different, mm-hmm. and he took it in a completely different level. So, I mean, Christopher Nolan had to have had that somewhere in the script on how he wanted him to look and act and dress and his mannerisms. And Heath Ledger probably just took that on himself and just greatly expanded it but i feel like because nolan wrote the film as well you have to give him props for creating this joker no and i that it was it's i agree with you it's more of a devil's advocate question because i remember reading a lot that like he spent so much time perfecting the joker Heath ledger like he like went into like a hotel i think for like six weeks before the movie and just like studied him yeah like, he went to the comics and all that so that's why I was wondering what your opinion on that was. I think it, it's like what Jimmy said. It's like, yes, Heath Ledger made it his own and put a lot of the work into it, but he wouldn't have been able to get there without the blueprint that mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan laid out for him. Because you could go the Zack, not the Zack Snyder route, but David you could Ayer. the David Ayer out route where you give the wrong blueprint and then the actor just takes that in a completely different opposite direction where it was like the blueprint you gave wasn't the right tone and therefore the actor took it in the wrong way. Now, we retcon that with Zack Snyder who gave a better blueprint of what the type of Joker he was looking for. Mm -hmm. And in Zack Snyder's cut, we got a Joker that even though we probably won't see him again, that could have been on the same level playing field as Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm -hmm. Thank you. No, I I agree with you. I think Christopher Nolan has that touch where like, I mean, it's been in every one of his movies. It, I feel like he, he he knows exactly what I think because I've read it, uh, watched interviews. He's like, we go in, there's never ever, ever reshoots. I know what I want. I think he's a very, he's one of the few exceptions where planning helps him well he said there are no deleted scenes here in the dark night every scene was important and the same was i think i I think a lot of his movies there's never really any deleted scenes Mm -hmm. but i just always i'm always impressed by that because i'm just like there's a certain level of what's the word confidence confidence and like just like specifics that like some people can spend storyboarding a whole movie for the movie and yet it doesn't come across the same way he just 
can do it. Well, he I, has that magic touch. I think one of the things that he does that comic book movie directors just are incapable of doing now is that he never knew if there was going to be a next movie. He mm-hmm. never knew if he was going to make a next movie. So what his goal was to make was to make a complete Please. movie from start to finish. Yes, he had that little Joker card at the end of Batman Begins, but he still said, I had no intentions of making a sequel until, you know, a story kind of came up. And this is like his first sequel ever to like any movie. Ever, yeah, still. And I think well, I guess still. Knight, but. but the thing is, is that he's he keeps making movies from start to finish and filling in all the gaps. And that's what superhero movies today are missing. No superhero movie that has come out probably since the MCU started. So probably after Iron Man 2 or whatever, none of those movies have like had a start to finish ending. Mm-hmm. Cuz like, it's more of the universe as Cuz now they keep making all these things even like origin stories for like uh movies. Shang-Chi, like it's never start to finish. You can never just leave the character where it is. And that's what Christopher Nolan does. And because he did that with these movies, that's why they were so successful. I mean, he said the same thing about this one. He never knew he was making a sequel, so that he said he would have kept Two Face alive, which I wish he. I hope I, if they, if I guess, I didn't think that was a good call. If that was the thing, because I, mm-hmm. I think it, the whole purpose of the movie is to have him die and no one see what he did. But I was like, I don't think I think you're right. He never knows. He makes a comp- start to finish, complete standalone movie, which I think this is why Dark Knight is so special because it's so, it's like a mob movie first and yeah. like a superhero movie second exactly and then even the batman that just came out with matt reeves he made a complete story he made a complete origin story from start to finish and that's why the batman is also an amazing movie as well when you mean start do you mean like they don't like give him a definitive ending like what do you mean by because i was gonna say there's some it's a complete story from start to finish like if there is another one great i'd be happy to see it but they, he doesn't leave anything open that you're just like Oh, I definitely need another movie for this. It's like I could be happy with that one movie. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I think after like phase one, that probably did that kind of it was more towards the bigger universe. There's no silly plot holes. It's like this has been resolved. Mm-hmm. This has been resolved. Like, for example, the biggest thing for me is Lucius with that echo technology that they came up with. Mm-hmm. They made sure at the end of the movie that they showed that Bruce destroyed that. Mm-hmm. because that's one of those things that filmmakers would leave open-ended and then the next movie would be like, wait, why the fuck didn't they just use that to find people? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, the MCU is probably the biggest, like, um, uh, the culprit of doing that, where yeah. it's like, why did you just not call fucking Captain Marvel in to do this? Why didn't you call this person? Why didn't you call this person? It's like, no, they made it clear you can't use this anymore because I fucking destroyed it. I think that's also why Christopher Nolan never wanted to do any of the other DC movies outside of the Dark yeah. Knight because he knows that greater universe, you just can't have that same sort of closure. Yeah. I yeah. mean, look, Man of Steel can't, was supposed to follow suit and it was kind of supposed to be in the same universe mm-hmm. as as Christopher Nolan's. And like w- that like fucking whale that saves him in Man of Steel, it's like, oh, Aquaman sent that. And it's like, really? Like... You know, now it's like, that's a silly plot hole that now has to follow through all the fucking yeah, movies that we went through. Um. So now we, I mean, we were, we were talking about the Joker. Is this, because I know now there's been Walking Phoenix and stuff like that. Is this one of your favorite Jokers? He's the favorite Joker. Yeah. I thought for a reason, I thought for some reason one of if you we, liked Joaquin. I, I think he's, I mean, he's up there, but I think Heath Ledger's is 
because they're once again they're different jokers. No, I agree. I, I like Heath Ledger. I think they're all different in their own way. So, I just thought one of you. That's like, why I asked we kind of get an origin story with the Joker, which there have been many different origin stories of mm-hmm. the Joker in the comics and in the movies, but this one feels like the most true to the character origin story. While in the Dark Knight, it's just he's he's there. Can we also just make clear that we're talking about, for me at least, it's a live action Joker. Because okay. Mark Hamill is my top Joker. So overall, overall all of them, he he would top Heath Ledger. Is Mark, Mark Hamill. Hamill. Yeah, because okay. I love his Joker. Like, he, his Joker is the blueprint for all Jokers. Not Cesar Romero, not Jack Nicholson. It's Batman the Animated Series, Mark Hamill's Joker. Heath Ledger is the best. I also think... He's like the best way to do, because you either go two ways with a villain. You can do the route where like you sympathize with, like almost like a Thanos, where like you understand where he's coming from, or you go the complete other way and you just have to, he can't be good whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like it's like literally you have to hate him. If you like him one little bit, then the job's ruined. He did toe the perfect line between ridiculous to scary as fuck. Yeah. And you never liked him, which is what I like. There was never like a feel sorry for me. You mm-hmm. just knew he was around. He, there's no, you don't know his origins, which is kind of like a, why people like certain horror movies. You never know the background behind it, but you just know he, you, you don't like him and he's scary. Yeah. He's yeah. a character that could definitely a hundred percent, obviously we've seen it with Jared Leto, be taken in the completely wrong direction where it's like you're going for deranged, but you end up going for hammy yeah, and cheesy. And you really need to find that fine line between crazy and like horrifying and i think walking phoenix went more of the scary but there was you almost felt bad for him well because his character inherently isn't a bad person yeah his character suffers from you know mental health disorders and other physical disorders that affect his character so like that's where he comes out but who knows like we have to wait for the uh, second one to come out to really see him in his full villain mm-hmm. villain era because he wasn't a villain in the first one he wasn't until the very end because I just I that's I think this is why my fat this Heath Ledger is my favorite one because it's there's no there's no thinking he's you hate him like he's a villain it's not like a he's supposed to be and I think the Joker needs to be that way for my opinion I just think that's a the best way to portray the Joker because it's just chaos he's not like other villains have like a tragic backstory, which I never, I don't know him, the comics much about him, no, like his origin. That's what I'm saying. Well, so, it depends. Well, on yeah, it depends which on which one you're, one you're going, going for. But just in general, I think as a movie approach to it, I think it's better to, especially because this was more about chaos, the movie, like the theme, just literally he starts crazy. He ends crazy. That's him. There's no fixing him. There's no, there's no feeling sorry for him. It's he's a villain. And like, that's why I think he's one of the best villains in movie history. That there's no loyalty to anyone. Exactly. I think he's like number, I think he was like number like three or something on that, like the villain list or something. One of the, or at least one of the ones I read. That's interesting. I mean, I know for a fact that they said that like even in the DC history or DC lore, the reason why the Joker is not part of the Legion of Doom is because the villains of the Legion of Doom are terrified of him. Yeah. Because they know that he'll, he does not care about anyone. Anything has no goal in the world except to continue to battle Batman. And he would like kill them all if he had the chance or just because he felt like it. 
that's why he's like not part of the Legion of Doom, and that's why he's one of the greatest character villain characters like ever written. Yeah, because there's literally there's just there's so much to do with him because of him just going wherever he wants, which I think I like I like that in this movie. What about this movie was like your favorite part of it though? Practical effects. Practical effects, Jimmy. Yeah, the practical. Because it's like I feel like this just felt different than like most superhero movies but like not even just i feel like this the but maybe it's because what you're saying it's such a whole movie that like that's why it just feels different or on its it's own. Cause it, it's more grounded you can have people flying through the air and you know shooting lasers and all that stuff like this one is most like mean, i mean yeah he has his gadgets yeah he's got the fancy cars and the motorcycle and but it's very grounded and real and it's just it just plays well in what this universe is trying to go for, which I think why the the big difference between the first and second one, it's like so shocking. Well, it's funny because I was re- there was one review that said that this is like more than a comic book, and I I kind of like agree with that. This is like one of those movies where it's like not. It's just you think of the comic book sec- sec- second behind like the main movie because it literally. I mean, they said like. You have it delivers drama, action, romance, horror, dark humor, um, like a study of a psychopathic killer, a detective story. There's so much to it that's done well. But I do think like I was seeing like what does why would someone not like this movie? Because I really couldn't find a critique with this movie. There's like little things here and there, but like a big critique that would make me like not want to rate it high. And I, I think oh, I also think because it's not predictable. Like the first time you see this film, you don't like certain aspects of what the Joker's doing, like when he kills all of the, uh, when he kills the commissioner and the judge and he goes after um, Aaron Eckhart's character. Harvey Dent. Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. Like you don't realize like, oh, they're, they're going to get her, they're going to get her away. Or, you know, he's safe in his office and he's not. And then you go to the, the, um, the part where he has her, uh, Aaron Eckhart and Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, and he tells he swaps the addresses of who's at who. So when you first open, when he first opens that door, and it's Aaron Eckhart, you kind of get that like pit in your stomach that, oh well, he chose. I mean, he chose the right one who we wanted to save, but the Joker knew he would go after. Yeah, and then you know with the the fairies and and you know you think. Well, of course, the prisoners are going to blow up the other people. They're going to blow up the prisoners, but it's like nothing happened. Like, it's very not predictable as a superhero movie is. And I don't know if it's because one of the it's one of the first ground uh, grounded superhero movies or it's just because it's Christopher Nolan and what what he wants to do. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Because I what, what I was when I what I read, mo- the summary of what I pretty much read is that people didn't like it because it was realistic because the first one was so more much more fantasy and like more in the comic booky world it had that look to it in the feel of like gotham was like it didn't feel like a real place it felt more like this one like i mean because they film in chicago and then new york for the next one like it feels real but like people were saying like um it was just too realistic and it was just um too serious i think they were looking for more the 1989 one because i think batman begins has more of a con- like similarities with those batman begins is more fantastical i mean yeah. look at that entire third act you yeah. know the entire city is like flooded with scarecrow gas yeah so like people are like under the fear serum but the pro- the thing with this movie not the problem i meant the thing with this movie is that it's a world that we could live in yeah it's a world that 
all of this could and pro- it pretty much has happened not in our country necessarily but other countries this is how like they freaking live even i think everyone probably has had this thought during the fairy the fairy bomb scenes being like what the fuck would i do i think yeah. everyone has asked themselves even when they're watching be like i i asked myself again even though i've seen this movie multiple times being like what the hell would i do yeah what would i vote would i be morality correct like you don't know what the i I honestly, every time I watch it, even though I know it happens, I'm like, I always forget what is the Joker's end game. Yeah. And the Joker's end game is that one final boat thing being like morality. It's to create chaos. Yeah. Because yeah. I think they, I don't know if they said it after or it was in the movie that like if they would have pressed it, it would have blown up their own boat. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. That could have been another reason to, you, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And like he was just like chaos and morality. He's like, everybody wants to just fucking destroy the world. Yeah. Like no one cares. And it's like, it takes that long. Like Jimmy said, you don't know what the Joker's doing, but it's not until probably until that scene where you kind of sort of get an idea of what exactly the Joker has been doing this entire time. Yeah. And it's like, that's what keeps you on your toes and that's what keeps you interested. And again, like the realism of it. I mean, did you guys ask yourself that being like, what the hell would I do in this situation? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if I asked it when I watched it this time, but like I definitely have thought when I've seen this movie, like millions of times I've seen it, like, like what? Like that's why you get nervous too, because you're like, "What would I do in this situation?" Yeah, and Christopher Nolan has said that this movie specifically is like kind of like he's not going to say exactly it, but it's like he's like it's about chaos, it's about war, it's about like what the fuck people do in times of deprivation and desperation. No, <laughs> like, yeah, because I think the the first one's about fear. This one's about chaos, and I think I think they said the last one's about despair. Or like I forgot hopelessness, what, like hopefully yeah, like it was something like that. But I was like chaos. I think is like the main theme of this. And I also think before this one, all their superhero movies, like yes, there could have been more serious ones, but they all had that fantasy, fantastical element to it. And this one was the first one to really bend that genre and like play with it. Yeah, it was a Spider Man and X Men. Yeah, that's what we were working. And with. then Iron Man came out the same year, but still, like it, yes, that's a grand movie for the MCU. But when you put it into the the terms of the of all types of movies it still has that superhero element this one like i said like a couple times already it's the back seat mm-hmm. and i think that and i think that mixed with sometimes nolan has a tendency to not put more emotion into his movies it's more colder movie also probably people are looking for that like you know you read the comics you get it like you have a certain emotion with this like especially batman people it's like one of the most popular characters you're going into a movie you might be looking for something that you're not getting because no one doesn't do that. So that might be why someone didn't love it. But I think, I don't know. I think this is one of the best superhero movies of all time, but I can see from what I read, I'm like, Oh, now I understand why people are giving it bad. I mean, there's always those people that are just like, this sucks. It's so boring. I'm like, okay, give me a reason. Like what's the actual reason you think it's boring. But I, I just, I just think it's very interesting. Like how someone can either like people either say it's the best thing ever or it's the worst. And like no one really has like a, it's all right. The people who are saying that it's the worst are just people who are looking for a typical superhero movie. No, yeah. Like, because it's like there's nothing else that you could fault this movie on. You can't say it has bi- bad dialogue. You can't say it has bad acting. You can't say it, the effects or the CGI was garbage. Like, what exactly are you going to say is bad about this movie besides that just subjectively it's not the superhero movie you were looking for? A lot of people did say that the plot was bad. Well, I didn't agree with it. They're like, it's so unbelievable. I'm like, this might be one of the more believable plots in an action movie I've ever seen. Like, I mean, 
I, I think it's the people who walked in thinking it was going to be something else. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, like you know, they thought it was going to follow more closely to the first Batman, the Batman Begins, and maybe the Joker was going to be more like Jack Nicholson, where he's still evil, but he's got, like, you know, the quirkiness to it. I also think something good with this movie is that, like, I feel like they were trying to go left wherever, like, another movie that had an element of what they were doing went right, which could have ended up going terribly. Like, with Joker, it could have gone a left turn very badly. But I think this, they also knew how much left to go to still make it fit with the story, make it believable, make it not so jarring, but still, as a whole, the movie just is still great as a whole. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we're still, us as a general audience, like everyone is still struggling with superhero movies that aren't superhero movies, like to a T, that don't follow the formula. Like, if it doesn't follow the formula, some people just just don't like it because it's just not what they were looking for. It's not what they're expecting. Example, WandaVision. A whole lot of general audience people did not enjoy the first couple of episodes because they were like, what the fuck? This isn't the superhero movie, like television show that we thought we were getting. Like, what is happening? It's too weird. And it's just like, you know, sometimes we got to break out of that mold. Well, I think also that was a reason why people liked didn't like Black Panther 2 over the first one because they said it was too depressing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but like if you had the same superhero movie over and over and over again, I think you would just be t- like, it would come, the the where we are in superhero world culture now would have came so much faster. Well, it's like Eternals. Are so, yeah. We all, like uh, we've said multiple times, like I love Eternals. I, like I think too. Eternals is actually like a really good movie. Yes, the biggest issue for me is that uh, Gemma Chan's character and Richard Madden have no chemistry as a couple. But again, that wasn't like the central part of the movie. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like I've watched Eternals multiple times and I still don't understand why people don't like it. And the only thing that I can think of is that it's not a superhero, typical superhero movie. Yeah. I mean, I think to- we're talking more and more about this. I'm actually comparing it in my head to um, Saw 10 that me and Kelly saw last night because it- you go into seeing a Saw movie, you're like, okay, I want blood and guts every three seconds. I want people being ripped open. I want all this stuff. I don't think, I mean, you had the little first vacuum trap, which was like a dream sequence, but you really don't get into the tortury scenes and the bloody scenes until about an hour into the film. Yeah, it takes a while. It's more about the the character development of John Kramer. And I mean, the people are loving it, but I think they kind of, leaned into that being like you're not going to get a normal saw that's different so that's why the people are are loving it then you then i can see people like being walking into this and being like there were four traps not even four if there were four traps that was a lot i think the reason why people are loving the different the the the, the tone switch is because there's not like a whole there's saw and like that saw like superhero movies it's so wide saws one type of movie, like one movie. No, I don't, I disagree with that. I think superhero movies are the same type of movie. And that's why we're in a period of time where superhero movies are not being regarded as highly as they were four or five years ago. I've, it's like typical superhero movies, like we're, it doesn't work anymore. Typical superhero movies just don't work anymore in our time and age right now you need to have something different it needs to be different or else it's gonna fail it needs no, to not be you know you not need to, you can't have that big fight third act fight scene anymore. but that's why i'm saying like superhero movies are still it's only just now that superhero movies are getting out of that one lane 
it's only just now that we're getting out of that one lane of superhero movies where it's not the same thing we're seeing over and over again because now people are realizing, oh, fuck, like the audience doesn't want to see this again. See, I'm starting to think that we're going back to it. I think that we had a stretch that things were that people were trying to experiment with, and now people are going back to more generic-esque superhero movies. Which is true, but those aren't seeing big returns either. Dark Knight, there was there. He pretty much didn't do what any superhero movie does. Yeah, but it still has the elements of a superhero movie. You have a superhero, and you have a villain, and you have a love interest. That's a superhero movie. And the big third act fight. And, and you have a big third act fight. But the third act fight was completely different. That's not. I. That's not. There was no explosion. There's nothing. There was. But that's not. But different. that does. That doesn't mean because there's not big explosion doesn't mean it's not a third act fight. If it's a third act fight where it's a showdown between the superhero and the villain, then that's a third act. But it fight. really wasn't between the superhero and the Joker and Batman. They did. They have a. They have a fight yeah, in the do. in the warehouse. When he catches him. When he catches him. And he gives a whole speech holding Batman down about his entire evil plan. I don't consider that a big fight. I consider the more you're you're overgeneral. It's just a fight. It doesn't have to be a huge fight like that. It's a fight between the by between the main villain and the hero. That's a third act fight. Yeah, I the see MCU more the- has turned it into and on DC they turned it into a huge spectacle. But that doesn't mean it's not a third act fight. Yes, a formula for. Three act structure, which is most movies, you know, it has a hero, it has a villain, there's a setup, there's a confrontation, there's a resolution. But for superhero movies, usually the third act is a big scale fight scene or a showdown or a face face off or whatever, and the resolution comes from that. But I thought for the Dark Knight, I thought instead of mostly the resolution coming from a fight, I thought it was coming from a conversation between the characters. And for this movie in particular, the fight wasn't the center of the third act. There were sequences, yes, but it wasn't the center. Do people disagree with me? Yes, you guys might disagree with me. But I thought it wasn't action overload. It balanced the story with the action very well for the third act. And I think that's why it stands apart from the rest, especially in superhero genre, because they kind of rearrange stuff and and took the third act and what is normally the third act and kind of played around with the elements. So that's why I feel like it stands apart from the rest. Yeah, but the thing is, but he did. He fought with Joker. He got monologued. He fought with Two-Face and got monologued. So what, because there's no explosion or they didn't fight for more than two minutes, you don't think that counts as a third act fight? If there's a fight that occurs and the supervillain monologues the superhero and then the movie's over, that's a superhero third act. Okay. Every superhero movie's third act ends that way. Name one that doesn't. I think Dark Knight doesn't. It cl- you could- don't. You don't think th- Dark Knight ends with the supervillain monologuing the superhero after a tussle? I'll give you the monologue. I don't give. I don't think there was this, this fight that happened. There is more of a words than fighting. Does a showdown necessarily have to be a fight? I understand what a fight is. I get it. You brought up tussle, which kind of made me think this was more of a tussle than like really like a fight or a showdown, stuff like that, like kind of what we're talking about. So that's why, in my mind, it's not like a third act fight. It's more of a tussle that happened towards the end of the movie. Um, more of the third act was the the dialogue between Batman or or just the, the story between Batman and the Joker that led into the Two-Face stuff and just the chaos theme of a whole, as a, as a whole. 
to me, that was more what the third act was about. And that's why I kind of understand like, that's why I'm kind of saying the restructuring of the third act to not do what it normally does of just, there's a fight that leads to a resolve. This fight was just in the middle of the story resolve between what the two characters are talking about. We'll agree to disagree. Okay. I mean, like we're never going to agree on it, but the thing is, is like it is, it followed the superior format. It just did it better than what everyone else does. Cause I understand the whole arc of a superhero movie is you're right. The love interest, the villain and it's in the superhero. I'm just saying for me, the third act felt like it wasn't a typical, a typical third act for me. It was a different restructuring of the third act. Uh, I don't, I, I, I still disagree with it. I still think it is a typical third act movie. I was just saying to me, it felt like he did it in a different shuffle. The third act. That's Which I, I, yeah, I get that. Yeah, you can obviously feel different, but I'm what we've been talking about and debating is I'm not sure how you got there. From my point of view, I'm not sure how you got there that it's so out of the realm that it like is it maybe, so different. It maybe is because what I've seen now, I'm accustomed to a certain third act, just really in all large blockbuster movies. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't really work anymore now. I'm just, no, now I'm just talking, I'm not yeah. disagreeing with you. I'm like, that just doesn't work now. I'd more prefer something like The Dark Knight yeah. versus what we get now, which is why superhero movies are not are going down the drain again. That's why I think they're coming. Like it's going back to the circle. I feel like they're, it went from like everyone liked the generic cause it was new and that's what it was. Then they started to play around with stuff. And I feel like they're running out of things to play around with. And now they don't know what to do. And it's going back to like more, well, let's just see if the, what it always was works still. Oh, I don't think it is. No, I know. I told, I feel like that we're going in a full circle and then the whole thing's going to happen again, where one movie does something completely off kilter everyone's like oh my god and then we start the circle again i think that's just a lot of movies movie genres in general as someone who loves superhero movies i'd honestly be happy not having a superhero movie for one year <laughs> to be honest i think that's also a, i think the fatigue is real like that's i think that then they don't now with the shows and all that it's just a whole different ball game now um anything else you want to talk about before we move on to the back end of the show oh i'm pretty good no and so we're moving on to the movie grid game. So, anyone who doesn't know what the movie grid game is, there's a, a grid with things on one side, with one things on the up and down, things on the side to side. So, I'll give this is the grid for today. Jack Nicholson, Jodie Foster, Daniel Day-Lewis on the left. And then nominated for Best Picture, begins with a vowel, ignore the, and then released from 1985 to 1995. I need to, like, actually physically, like, see it. Like, well, Matt, you need to tell <laughs> yeah, us, like, Jack Nicholson in this. Blah, blah, blah. I know, I just was explaining with the, because when we're recording, it's going to be on the screen. So that's oh. why I was just Oh, I thought reading you were going to do a screen share. That's why, like, you did with Ethan. I had to figure out a better way to do it. So I'm recording my phone for this time. Gotcha. Yeah. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say each one. So the first one, Jack Nicholson in a movie nominated for Best Picture. You're going to work together. The Departed. The Departed. Okay. Wait, I think I did this one. But I don't remember it. Jack Nicholson begins with a vowel. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Look at that. Such fast answers. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. So Jack Nicholson released from 1985 to 1999. 1995. Batman. Batman. 
Is it just Batman or the Batman? Batman. Oh, that, okay. Oh, no, Batman. Because Bat- if you do the Batman, that's going to be Matt Reeves. That's why I wanted to make sure I didn't press the wrong one. Okay, guys, we've completed the first row. Next one, Jodie Foster, nominated for Best Picture. Um, Taxi Driver. I would not have been able I was to say, I saw that. Kelly's face just kind of zone Glaze past over. the camera. <laughs> um, Jodie Foster begins with a vowel. We can skip. Elysium. That's a good one. I would have never thought of it, even though I saw it. I feel like I've never seen a Jodie Foster movie. <laughs> no, okay, with these games. But I have. <laughs> I feel like I see the name. I'm like, I've forgotten all movies they're in. Yeah. Uh, see, yeah. I got to play it because I've been holding one out just for this uh, next one. Because I don't know when other movies she's been in. Jodie Foster released from 1985 1995. Silence Flat. of the Lambs. Oh, okay. For some reason, I was like, which one are you holding back? Because I was I, waiting. I, 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 I knew he, the Oscar. When, he, when you looked at me, I was like, Silence of the Lambs. You were going to say Flight Plan. I was going to say Flight Plan because I thought it was, he said 2000 something. Oh. <laughs> okay, I don't like how people are seeing how I'm typing this right now. Oh my god. Okay. Daniel Day Lewis nominated for Best Picture. Is it Lincoln Best Picture? It is. Yeah. You want to put Lincoln? Okay. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis begins with a vowel. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> can only think of like a few movies. Or if you want to do this one first and then come back. Daniel Day-Lewis released from 1985 to 1995. I think 85 to 95. Try My Left Foot. When I typed in My Left Foot, My Little Pony came up. Okay, why? Is there, is it My Left Foot, the story of Christy Brown? I just know it's called My Left Foot. I don't know if it's got a colon in it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm scared now to press this one. Well, if we know it's my left foot, so... I'm gonna... There's only one option. Oh, that's what it's called. Okay. I didn't realize there was a I know. thing after it. Uh, okay, so back to the last one. You guys are doing great. I haven't seen a lot of stuff with Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis begins with a vowel. I'm just thinking of, uh, uh, of the movies. What movies? I'm thinking of like his most recent ones, and I was like, it's definitely not the one with the dress. <laughs> Phantom Threat is a P. <laughs> uh, A-E-I-O-U. Uh, is, he's not in... Oh, wait. No. He's not in um, Inherent Vice, right? I don't think so. Okay. I'll try and help now because I have no idea. Gangs of New York? No. Is that, I was no, like, no, no I'm just listing now. Gangs of New York, Lincoln, Phantom Thread. Um, what other Paul Thomas Anderson movies is he in? <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of Daniel Day Lewis stuff, I guess. There will be blood, no. Is is isn't he in a few other Martin Scorsese movies? Yeah, but I I uh I gotta think. Just give me the give me the sign and I'll hit give up. Was he in the aviator? I don't think so. I mean I can try it, but I no, don't think so. No, 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 we can't. No, I don't think he was in the aviator. A lot of people are in the aviator. But not him. What did but he win him. an Oscar for? He's one of He won for My Left Foot. He won for Lincoln, I think. Yeah, but that's not a vowel, and we already used yeah. it. And then there's one. He won three, though. Was it There Will Be and Blood? And There Will Be Blood. Wonderful. Um, 
<laughs> He's moaning to let the vowels. Alice in Wonderland. Did he voice any ever movie? Any movies? Do voiceover for it? I have no idea. I'm just trying to spark a plot, so maybe if it would help you. (laughs) I have no idea. I'm gonna say give up. I don't know. Okay, we have one give up, Jimmy. I I have no idea. You giving me the 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 permission to give up? Yeah. Okay. The Age of Innocence. But there oh. was, but there were other ones because there was only forty nine percent on that. The one, Age so. of Innocence isn't that with um, is that with Winona Ryder? I don't know. I've never I seen it. You did your best. You guys did better than I would have done. That Daniel Day Lewis, like whatever. There's someone with not a lot of movies. I'm like, damn. Um, MVP, LVP, most valuable player, least valuable player. Are you looking at Age of Innocence? No, I'm oh. just looking at. Oh, no, the Jimmy was looking at oh, unbearable so lightness of being. I have no idea what that is. A room with a view. That was the, you guys were flowing through them. In the name of the Father, That's Ever Smile, New Jersey. Ah, oh, that that movie. Do you actually know what that is? No. Oh. The Insurance Man. Oh wait, no, that's TV. We would have never gotten any of these. If I would have remembered, <laughs> he was an Age of Innocence with Winona. I would have known. Do you actually know that movie? Uh, yeah. Oh, have you seen that movie? No, but I oh. know of it. Um. Anyway, LVP, MVP, most valuable player, least valuable player. Jimmy, what is your most valuable player? Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger. Kelly. Christopher Nolan. I'll go with. I'll go with Heath Ledger because he was really good. Um, LVP, Jimmy? If I have to pick a least valuable player, it's going to have to be Two-Face CGI. You didn't think that was good? No, it did not hold up well. I thought for over it, 10 years that it wasn't bad. It does not hold up well. Kelly? Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal. I will go with... Um, I was... I His voice. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of uh, Christian Bale's Batman voice. That's fair. Um, apparently, his I don't like. I said I haven't seen Batman Begins in so long. Was the other one worse, like the first one? Because they said they played with it in post production. I would figured you would know because you've seen it more than I have. Um, no, I think it's about the same. But is the it? thing is, I don't think he he doesn't really talk that much as Batman oh, okay. in this movie. If you think about it, he doesn't. But I think that's why it throws me off because it sounds so like nasally. Well, it's like really bad in The Dark Knight Rises too. And also, like he talks to it with like like Lucius, <gasps> and I'm like, he knows you're Batman. <laughs> Like why? Why are you? Why are you saying that? he knows your Batman? He's Just, a method superhero. He, he's a method actor, superhero. You're correct. Um. Okay. Moving on to our final thing. I will calculate because you are. I have it on my. Oh, I have it on my watch. Look at you, so technological. Um. I will give this movie a ten. Kelly. Nine and a half. And I'm gonna give it a ten. Nine point eight three. We are higher than the 9 out of 10. This would be the number one movie if we were judging. 9.8? 9.83. So 9.8. Okay. Um, That's exciting. I was hoping to play the alien. I thought we were going to get on the on the nose. Um, can you please give us your clues? Do you know what the next movie is? Yes, I do. Please give us the clues for next week, Jimmy. Send us out. So the director of this film has two Best Picture nominees in the same year. Um... It is it is um in color and black and white. Is that black and white technically? Or sepia tone. Yeah. And um munchkins. <laughs> okay. Um if you can figure it out, stay tuned for next week. Maybe maybe oh. it's the, the ice, ice spice? spice commercial with Ben <laughs> Affleck. We never know. <laughs> we're we're rating 
Ben Affleck's uh, Dunkin' Donuts commercials. Uh, okay, if you can guess We're those. all going to actually try the ice spice drink live on air. Ooh, I don't know if I can do that. That's the last one. We should try that. Ooh, I have a heart attack. We should try it next week during our special episode. You want to get it for us? I can, and I may, just because I want to try it, but I don't <laughs> want to try it by myself. <laughs> we can all share one. That much. could be our drink next week, the um, ice spice drink from Dunkin' Donuts. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. So if you couldn't get it from our clues, maybe we, we could will... put a little like Kahlua in or something. Will that make it sweeter? That would make it even worse. <laughs> but just put like vodka or something in it. It's like sugar-free Kahlua. <laughs> I was about to be like, you're making it sweeter. Just put creamed alcohol in it. Yes, that helps. Um, stay tuned for next week, guys, because it could be a interesting episode. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can hear us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we want to hear what you think, so leave us a review. Give us some likes on social media at Pop Review. Click around www.poporreview.com. Become a member of our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash review for exclusive content and drink recipes. And one last thing before you go, make sure to check out the Titan Media Collective and Titan Cast Network. Enjoy the rest of your movie Monday. That was a Titan Cast episode.